I do generally mean it's so good to see you all this morning. And this week as I was um, thinking and praying about what to, um, what to talk and what, what, to, what to say, God, what do you want to uh, speak on this morning? It's been a little bit of a it's been a little bit of a little bit of a, a journey, and what I thought I was going to uh, talk on, I was speaking to uh, chatting to my to a wife on a Thursday night, and she said, "Well, um, you've done so far. I hope God doesn't speak tell you to do something else because um, you haven't got much t- you haven't got much time." And sure enough, that Friday night, God says, well, "I think let's just change the angle a little bit." And so it's like, okay, so but, that's, but it all works. All that, he knows what he's doing. And as you can see, we're going to be talking about being freed. And part of that, I've just been thinking, part of that sense of, you know, just being set free from the past, uh, set free for sometimes ourselves. I don't know about, I don't know about you, don't know about you, but sometimes I, I think, God, do you really know me? Because I really, I really, I really know myself. Have you all thought that? I know what I know what I'm like. I know what I, I know what sometimes uh, I can think. I know sometimes my behaviour. I know sometimes uh, I, I, I know, I know me. He's like, really? And you still love me? And he says yes. And if you think about that, that is absolutely mind blowing. It's mind blowing. That he says that about every single person, and then I was thinking then on this on this journey and thinking and praying about praying. Even before time began, when you read, um, it's not on the slides. So don't be panicking. It's all right. So even in John, John one, it says in the beginning. That word beginning doesn't really do it justice because it means the absolute. We know that God has always was, always will be, and, will, and forever will be. He's just in a constant state of being. And if you can take the absolute beginning, if there is such a thing, as in, in the absolute, God decided to create yourselves, decided to create myself, even before he said, let there, be t- let there be time, let there be light, let there be waters, let there be grass. That's all secondary stuff. It's absolutely mind-blowing mind that his main purpose was to say, do you know what? He, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they did not need anything else. They are quite happy. They were perfect, but yet they still chose to create you, to create me, quirks and all, because they want to get to know us. They want that relationship. They want that relationship with us. They want us to experience that love that they have. And if you pause and just think about that for a moment... They did not need to create you. They chose to. And there's no regrets. Think about that. 
Let that sit for a moment. He made you and there's no regrets. Ephesians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, as daughters, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. There is no plan B for him. You were, we are, his sole purpose. You are his sole purpose. He plans for you to be in relationship with him out of your free will, out of your choice, of course. But he plans it. He wants it. He wills it. He wants it more than you do. He wants to restore us to him more than we want him to restore us to him. Our minds can't fathom actually how much God cares for us. He loves us. He's willing for us. He wants to restore. He doesn't want us to be broken. He wants to be renewed. Everything. God wants it so much more than what we do. Why? Because he created you and he cares for you and he loves you. It's absolutely mind-blowing if you think about it. Let's carry on. It says, to the purposes of his glorious grace in which he has blessed us in, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purposes, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be, might, might be to praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And not only that, he seals you with his Holy Spirit. He comes and says, Do you know what? You're going to bear a mark. My Holy Spirit. Not only are you going to be made in my image, not only whatever you do will glorify me and it will have my fingerprint on it. So when people look at what you do and they use your gifts and they, and they see your abilities and when you bless people, it will have God's fingerprint on it. I'm going to seal you and put my Holy Spirit in you and it will act like a seal. It will act like a guarantee. So when you doubt and say, am I really saved? And I think, the Holy Spirit goes, yes, you are. I've sealed you. I've welcomed you. And we know this adoption is in that time, in the Roman time, when you were adopted, 
the Roman law was that you can even no matter what that child did, you can you could not unadopt that child. So when he says, "I have adopted you," I predate, I have, I wanted you from the beginning of time to come in. I wanted to adopt you because I knew we we're going to be together. But I knew humanity was going to rebel and turn away. I knew you were going to rebel. I knew what you're going to be like. I knew you're going to run away. I knew you're going to mess up. I know there's going to be all this wrong stuff that's going to happen. But I'm going to pre, I'm going to make sure I'm going to send my son Jesus to die on the cross to bring you back to me. And I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit so you know I'll never abandon you. And no matter how bad things get, if you trust and put your faith in me, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to stab you in the back. I am going to be there. That's incredible. Would you put up with you? Would I put up with me? Ask my, ask my wife. I said to her, if she leaves, I'm coming with her. I don't know. <laughs> so I said, you can't leave me, because if you do, I'm coming with you. Sometimes my excuse is I was just left unsupervised, but, you know, it's a... Uh, one. <laughs> I know, the jokes don't get any better, I know. Um, 1 Peter 18.21 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from first first of ways inherited from our forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was forsaken before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, oh, and give him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. John 3, 16 to 18, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn, he didn't send to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of of the Son of God. With Jesus, no plan B. Said I'm going in. When they're creating, when they're thinking, when they're when they're trying to work, when they're thinking, okay, how many hairs are going to be on the head? What is this person? How tall is this person going to be? What are their, what sense of humour are they going to be? Jesus' own, in that moment, even before that moment, he goes, it's okay, I'm going in. They're going to muck up. They're going to stuff up. They're going to do their own thing. They're going to rebel. But I love them so much, I'm going to come, I'm going to die, because I care for you. And I love you, and you'll go reject me. It's going to be unfair, it's going to be brutal. I've done nothing towards you to deserve this, but I'm going to come anyway, and I'm going to die on a cross because I want to restore you back to me. If you knew something was going to rebel against you, would you do that? But yet he chooses to. 
He chose to. He wouldn't change his mind. And he has this prayer in John 17. He says, John 17, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed, believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, all, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Can you imagine that prayer? He's saying, God, these, pe these people, these believers in me, I want them to be one and I want them to experience this oneness, this closeness, just like we are, just like we've already experienced just how close we are. We want these people, we want these followers to be as closely united to each other, but we want them to experience what we've experienced. And so, God, would you keep them? Would you bring them? Would you bring united? For, would they be united? Would they experience this? Wherever you want to, wherever you want to describe it, it's not experience. It's with this relationship, this love. Would they have it just as we have it? And he prays that over you, that you can have that not just that not just that connectedness with each other, but that connectedness with the Father, with the host, with the Holy Spirit, with Himself. Say, God, God, would you do that, Father? Would you do that? This is my plea that they'll be so close to you. as if it's almost inseparable. It's mind-blowing. That's his prayer. That's what he wants. That's what he's created you and me for. And, on, and as I was praying, for, praying about this no, uh, this kenosis, that's not even a word, a closeness. Um, I told you it's going to be one of these, it says. This closeness and this connectivity, and we all say at this moment in time, because we're trying to get from, I did, what we're basically saying is we want to get rid, rid, we're trying to get away from the religious laws, but we say, you know, we don't have, uh, we don't have a religion, we have a list relationship. And then I was thinking about that, pondering about that, and I felt God just dropping to my heart, not just for ourselves, but us, but for you, but for you guys, like, how's that relationship going? Not in a, believe me, this is not in a condemnation way. I'm not bringing this in a condemnation, not pointing, pointing the finger. It's, how's this relationship going? Is that phrase just a cliche? to excuse some of the things that we do? How is this relationship getting on? If we're supposed to be disconnected with God, we're supposed to experience this holiness, this righteousness, 
how's this relationship going? Are we spending time in his word? Are we spending time talking to him? Are we spending time worshipping him? Are we spending, putting that input? Because if you have a relationship with someone, you, put, you input, you, you value it, you treasure it, you, you nurture it. How can we say that we can have a relationship if we don't know what the other person thinks and says? How can we have a relationship if we don't sit and spend time with them? If we don't, how can we have a relationship if we don't talk? And we might come up once or twi- we might come once or twice and and sing a few songs, but it comes from because I know what it's, I know what it's like to come and to almost like have a double life. And it's almost like you live off your reputation, don't you? Gr- gr- growing, growing up, growing up um, I used to volunteer, volunteer for everything. If there's if something he's something doing, I would volunteer. I would, good, I would go do that. I would help that out. I would help out, the, help out at different events. I would help out with the youth group, run some of the, run some of the youth group, uh, small groups growing up. And which is fine, which is good, and it was almost like you had this reputation of, oh, that person, they're they're absolutely fine because they're doing this, 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 this. That they're 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 fine, and no one challenged me. No one, no one said, "Are you spending time with God? What's your prayer life like?" And it's almost as if you know when when Jesus he speaks to. Uh, the church in Revelation, he says, you know, to everyone you have this reputation, James, but inside there's parts of your life are just dead. You've lost something. On the outside to everyone, James, you're doing so much and people can't almost starting in some ways can't lift you up and almost set a standard, but I knew that whether it was in school, sometimes I'd struggle. I'd, I'd be struggling with swear, swearing. There'll be in school, and sometimes in the in the workplace. In the workplace that we had, there were, pornography was right, and sometimes the battle was there, and sometimes I lost the battle. And there was a struggle. There was a struggle there. Behavior, behavior, behavior. Growing up, sometimes I had to fight my way into school. Sometimes I had to fight my way out of school. And sometimes because I was just the smallest, I was one of the smallest kids. Some people just see me as an easy target. So my temper, my te- my temper was. I used to get re- I used to get re- really angry because sometimes I just want to do my own, do my own, do my own thing. I just want to be me. Why can't you just leave me alone? But sometimes some people just saw you as an easy target. And so I knew how to fight. I'll be at, and I'll be at, I'll be at, be at, and I'll be, I was, I was angry. And some points, I was angry. It's like, why am I being picked on? Why are my friends stabbing me in the back? And even though I did, even though I had a faith, even though I believed in God, even though I love God, these lies were almost separate. Their lies were almost separate. You come to come to church, and even coming to church, there wasn't a peace. Going to Soul Survivor, going to Soul Survivor. Sometimes you know there's twenty thousand people in in there, and they're all singing and jumping, and you sit and, you, and you're standing there. And he's like, God, I want to connect, but there's just no peace. 
and everyone else will be getting words and they'll be, be receiving gifts and they'll be blessed and there'll be miracles breaking out and you'll be sitting and I'll just be st standing, standing there, smile on my face. This is fantastic. And inside just going, what about me? And often, a lot of the times, sometimes going to Soul Survivor and things like that, it was fantastic with the testimonies that would happen with some of the kids, but sometimes I would walk away more, de more deflated than going. Because my energy was put into serving, into helping, into trying to get things, maintain things, this, repu this reputation. But there's moments and moments times in life that actually there's just... Nothing there. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you have that moment when someone come up to you and they say, James, and you'll be like, how do they know? Who told them? Has God spoken to them? I hope he hasn't because I don't want to deal with it right now. And you're sort of looking around and so almost like your heart sort of like jumps because at any, at any moment you feel like you're going to be caught out by someone. And then all they want to know is, are you free on the weekends? What, what, are you, what are you doing? Can you, help, can you help us out? And sort of like your heart goes down a little bit, but there's almost like there's this intensity there that actually, because you're hiding stuff, even though there's supposed to be this connectedness, even though that God came, Jesus came, he died across, he said, look, all you have to do is hand it over because we do stuff and we try and, we try and hide it. And sometimes we're a little bit like kids. When you do something wrong, instead of just saying, I've done. I've done this. Done this wrong. I've messed up. Would you? Would you forgive me? Let's move forward. Let's try and restore this. It's almost like we know that's there. We try and push that under the carpet. Push that in the cupboard, and we try and do all the good stuff, and try and build. Say, God, well, you know, I've done this good thing. I've done that good thing. I've been serving. I've been helping people. I've given to charity and all that sort of stuff to try and make out that when we bring this bad stuff out, it's not as quite as bad as it seems. It's a bit like, a bit like growing up, there's some stuff I, I did, I didn't tell my mum and dad until about one or two years later, you know, and then when you tell them, it's not, they're like, oh, that, well, that was you back then, don't worry about it, and you're just like, yes. Played that one smooth. But that's not what that's like with God. He knows. He knows what you're doing. We try to hide it. It isn't hidden. And we hide it from ourselves. And it's like we go through life and we come in. And sometimes when we come into the service and we want to connect for whatever reason, there's just, even in a service, it's just no, there's just no breakthrough. There's just no peace. And I just felt... I just felt in my heart that I know the vast majority of you, how well I know you at different levels. But I want you just to reflect what are you hiding? I am not like the person who I was. I still have to be careful what films I watch. I still have to be careful. So uh, put filters in. So there's some there's sites that I used to 
go, where's arts and photography sites, just shut down, there's barriers that I've put in, that I've put in, put, put in place, and even though those issues aren't there, they're still safeguard, we still had to put those things in place, but actually, how are you doing? I don't want you guys to go perhaps another Sunday and you're just carrying stuff and going through stuff and actually thinking, I just want this stuff gone when Jesus is saying, look, I've died for you. I just want you freed. And not only to be free, I can, there's total forgiveness in an instant. That shame, that guilt that you're carrying can be gone in an instant. I wonder if there's, is there stuff that we're hiding? And I, and I say this in, in a pastoral way, because in order for you to grow, in order for you to be the person that God's called you to be, sometimes we just have to speak this out and say, God, you know what I'm doing, but this is what I'm doing. I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, I'm struggling with my character but I'm not the same person as I was. The Holy Spirit has, cha- has changed me. He's, work- he's working in me. He can work in you. How you are and the things that perhaps you're wrestling, wrestling with and dealing with, it doesn't have to be like that. It's not meant to stay like that your whole life. 